0: You are listening to a night dream, the night dream podcast. Well, uh, one day I would like to finish the two books that I started. With. You are listening to a night dream, the night dream podcast. The first night dream is called a dagger in a house for a dead person. As you enter the cemetery, you immediately turn a different way to usual because there's a funeral underway on your normal route. The path is a complete circle and usually you walk this side on your way back but you don't feel like seeing people today. You hear other people using the garden that joins the other side of the tall cemetery wall Normally their activity serves as a reminder that life continues on for all of the non-residents of the cemetery. You walk past a large mausoleum that you normally pass from the other side. You realise that the blank wall that you usually walk past is the back of the mausoleum and from your new approach you can see into it. This side has a cutout and you look into the room through the wrought iron door. There isn't very much inside the mausoleum, a bench for visitors and plaques covering the slots where the people are. The writing is hard to read from the outside, but you can guess that it's the names of the people, which don't really matter to you anyway. You look towards the floor and admire the flagstones. As you shift your head to look away, the sun catches, exposing the jewelled pommel of a dagger under the bench. Alert, you look around for witnesses, but it's just you and the people you have avoided, You calculate that the door hasn't been opened since they put the last person in there, which you think must have been a long time ago, maybe even before you were born. You take a photo on your phone and your excitement turns into energy. You quickly walk away from the mausoleum and pass the funeral. As you wonder how the dagger got there, or who put it there, you walk under a statue that stands above the entrance. The statue stands with one arm pointing towards the sky, empty-handed. The next night dream is called No Planets. There is nothing. You aren't there, but if you were, there would still be nothing for you to see. Everything is gone for everyone. Every single choice has been unpicked. Right back to the beginning, or maybe even further. There is nowhere for you to be, no receptory for memory, and no generosity for things that are alive from other things that are alive. There is nowhere for you to stand, and worse still, all memory of standing has been erased. How can there be nothing? When you existed, you thought that when everything else was stripped back, that something intangible would remain but as far as you can tell, there is nothing. It doesn't sound right to you. There should be dust. There has to be something. There must be other eyes that could see it so distant, so fractional, and maybe entirely gone. It is impossible for you to be trite and human in this moment. Of course you can guess what nothing might be like, but for it to surround you like this is worse than bad. It's nothing. The next night dream is called How Things Are. As you lie down asleep, you picture an endless expanse that if touched would ripple like perfectly flat water. You get as close to the water as possible without touching it. Your nose just about almost grazes the surface and you wake up. As always, you start worrying immediately about the day ahead, another day of putting yourself in an unhealthy place mentally. It's never good, and in your mind, it won't ever be good. When you get to the enormously tall building that you work in, you slow down, hoping to get the elevator to yourself. Not because you don't like talking to people, but because you think it'll be nicer, You enter the next lift and are pleased when the door's shut and it's just you. You move to push the button for your floor, but just before you push it, you point towards a different blank button. You often think about what this blank button might do. Maybe the button will fix your life, bring you closer to the enormous thing that you don't understand. Maybe the button will make you forget language or freeze you in time. You're shocked when the elevator opens and someone else steps in. For a moment, all of your hypotheses come true until the person asks you to push the button for their floor and your hand still lingering near the button obliges. The next night dream is called Shapes. At odd, uncertain times in the day and night, you stop seeing the world that you live in. A wall separates you. You do not see the wall because every part of you is now aware of nothing but the shapes that start to form in front of you. You don't see the shapes as much anymore, but throughout your life you've come to view them as sacred maps, unhelpful, cellular and impossible to explain. In each shape there is enough space to keep every detail of every experience you've ever had. They are also just shapes, a triangle with one long point that at first appears see-through. Then when you look closely, it gains detail and becomes a slide in a microscope. The enormous clarity brings forward a feeling of standing in a vast concrete bunker. Now you look further into the triangle and you see black, as you look further into it, you realise that it has the texture of foam and is in fact the edge of the triangle that you first believed to be so crisp. You exist wholly within it. You see it, pockmarked and moonlike, intensely dark. You have been looking into this deepest shape for some time, as you know that the shapes know no context and cannot exist outside of the moment you are thinking of them, all of them forgotten the moment that they aren't there. The next night dream is called Empty House. You are a bush planted in a once busy garden. Now the house next to the garden is empty. There is nobody to tend to you or the rest of the garden. Instead, the garden is tall, filled brazenly with plants that shouldn't be there, that blew in on the wind and sprouted of their own accord. Inwardly, you mourn for the house. Every summer that you return, it looks worse and worse. Greedy ivy makes itself at home and the sorrow that you feel at the mounting injustices grows and grows. It is all that you can do to flower each year, to prove to the house that some things can never change and are for the better. Your petals unfold as you mourn. Your melancholic beauty is so vibrantly sad that every swaying part of the garden joins your grief made visible in the sharpest natural shade of pink. The next night dream is called Tomatoes. You are buying dinner after a hot day spent driving around in another country. Everything has been great so far. Earlier, the two of you paid to drive over a tall but narrow bridge that saved you almost 40 minutes of driving, somehow. Now you are back in the town that you are staying in, and it's too hot to think about what to eat. You stand by the lettuces, where they pump cool air around the aisle. Moving around to the next aisle, you see lots of tomatoes. You choose some that are very red and tear-shaped. You drive the last bit back and it takes a very long time to park because of how tired you are and how hot it is. Once you finally make it inside, you leave the lights off and keep the blinds down, anything to make you cooler. You begin to acclimatise and suddenly remember how hungry you are. As you cut the first tomato, you can tell how delicious it's going to taste. You have them with bread, oil and vinegar while watching TV in a language that you don't understand. The next night dream is called the Nice Society. It's your first night at the Nice Society headquarters. You want to make a good impression, so you're trying extra hard to be nice to everyone you meet, which is easy for you because you don't know anyone well enough to take against them. You're ushered into a large conference room where you listen to a talk which outlines what the Nice Society expects from its members. The crowd is silent and the talk begins. To be a member of the nice society is very simple. You must promise to wear one of two badges. The yellow badge, which says to the world that I am nice and I will be nice to you, so in return you should be nice to me. And the red badge. If you choose the red badge, you will not be judged by us at the nice society, because although we know that you are not nice, we respect your openness to truth, Either way, you must take a badge. By entering the room, you are legally obliged to take a badge. The speaker thanks you for listening, and eventually you are allowed to leave the room. Going into a new room. The new room is very plain, which highlights the pedestal in the centre of the room, with the two badges on. One badge is yellow and says nice on it. The other badge is just red. You had a lot of time to think about your decision in the conference room but you didn't even really think that it would be a choice. You didn't spend hours in cramped hot rooms talking to people just to tell the world that you aren't nice. You wonder why they even give you the choice. After standing there for a while, you think about all the times that you can remember being nasty, and there really aren't that many. You think about taking both badges. No one is nice all the time, but you definitely wouldn't identify solely as nasty. You think about taking both badges. You think that this would ultimately make you sadder and that it would be a nasty thing to do. This decision is what you base your choice on. And so you take the badge, joining the nice society. As you leave, you notice other people leaving that you spoke to earlier. You don't want to speak to them now, so you walk straight towards the exit. Since then, you've seen a lot of people wearing the yellow badge, but no one wearing the red one. You begin to assume that anyone without a badge isn't nice, but wants to keep it a secret. You proudly show off your badge, pleased that people can identify you without getting to know you. Unfortunately, just before you joined, a member of the Nice Society leaked some not-nice information to the press, which is being made into a film. And however you feel about it, in your lifetime, the Nice Society will change from a straightforward idea... Into badges that young people wear at music venues. The last night dream of the episode is called Stolen. They think that you have forgotten, that you could never, you can't leave, you don't want to, why should you do something for them? But they are everywhere, so you know full well that they will eventually ruin everything. You dig a hole and squat next to it, muttering every secret or quiet thing you can think of into it. Still, you listen carefully for any sign of them. You detest them, how they wronged your family. You make sure to tell the whole everything, how well they are doing, and how inconsequential your suffering is to them. Their servants harangue you constantly. You have never even finished a meal at your own leisure. They aim to take it all from you, and for generations have had the means and force to do so. You have hid, at first just to survive, but now also your intentions. Just as you improve, so do their lies. Many of your family become busy with other things, and your plans for retaliation now sit within a conversation of ideas. Positive ideas that strive to live up to unburdened expectations. When you look inside, you don't find any of these. Sometimes you begin to lose focus, but then you hear or see something that they have done. They can act in any way they wish and always choose to be violent, to do the wrong thing, and to take from people who are vulnerable. You feel no remorse. If they wanted to change, they would have done so long before your time. You say a prayer to your body. I need you to be stronger. I need you to change. Every day, the idea of revenge becomes less possible. It feels good to ask freely, but you are aware that if you were to live for forever, it would not matter. Nothing is going your way. You see no way you can stop their game. So you return to yourself the only thing that you have ever controlled, and you cut a line under each eye and cry tears of blood. Your misery must be seen for what it is, symbolic and total. You walk into the ocean and it wipes away your tears. You become closer to peace, knowing that your tears will become waves that crash over their land that can't be shared. When you die, all of your feelings dissipate, Your identity and pride in it vanishes. It happens enormously slowly, but eventually there will be no land for your children's children to compete for.